We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 681 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, October 19th, 2023, the day after the conclusion of something that a year ago was a really big deal in the Washington, D.C. area, but this year was a very big nothing for the D.C. area. The thing was the NFL's fall league meeting in New York City, otherwise known as the owners' meetings, one of multiple league meetings for the NFL over the course of the year. It was on October 18th, 2022, at the 2022 Fall League meeting, that Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay, in a session with reporters, became the first NFL owner to publicly question whether Dan Snyder should remain as owner of the Commanders. It was at each of the last who knows how many (laughs) NFL League meetings that the issue of Dan Snyder's ownership of the Commanders was a major topic, and we discussed and analyzed and scrutinized every little comment and every little development. Wasn't it nice these last few days to have an NFL League meeting and, as a Commanders fan, not have to be invested in what was going on at the meeting? How many of you listening even knew that there was an NFL League meeting these last few days? We are in a new world as fans of our team with the Josh Harris Group now owning the team. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, the team that is owned by the Josh Harris Group has a game this Sunday afternoon, a game at a team that is having an awful 2023 regular season. The three and three commanders at the one and five New York Giants Sunday afternoon at one. Coming up on the show, a lot of commanders conversation. Next segment, we're going to cover a lot of ground. I'll react to who the referee for this game is. Oh, it is a name that uh, the Commanders fan knows all too well. I'll then take you through what matters from the initial injury report for this game, an injury report that features 25 players combined from both teams. Uh, Who will the Giants starting quarterback be for this game? Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor? 
uh, and you'll hear some of the best of what Commanders head coach Rod Rivera had to say during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, including an awkward uh, but positive exchange regarding edge defender Chase Young and good stuff from Ron on bench corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. and on now honored receiver and putt returner Jamison Crowder. I'll explain. And then after all of that, an extensive segment on quarterback Sam Howell and the commander's passing offense. The Sam Howell sack problem was a dominant topic during Sam's pre-practice press conference on Wednesday and was part of Ron's post-practice presser. You'll hear every key thing that was said. I have yet another advanced stat that speaks highly of how Sam is playing to tell you about. And we will get into a commander's receiver having a down season, Jahan Dodson, and a commander's receiver having a very nice season, Curtis Samuel. You'll hear some good stuff from Jahan himself on his disappointing season. So far, still plenty of time for Jahan to get going. By the way, left tackle Charles Leno Jr. did practice on Wednesday afternoon. Good to see him back with the team off not playing in the 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons this past Sunday afternoon off his wife suffering a miscarriage. Uh, Also on the show, the Capitals. An ugly loss for them on Wednesday night. A 6-1 loss at the Ottawa Senators. The grade 8 winger Alex Ovechkin, he did not have a shot on goal for a second consecutive game. First time in his 19 season NHL career that he did not have a shot on goal in each of at least two consecutive regular season games. Not good. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, a salute to the Gold Glove finalists for the Nationals and Orioles. Uh, Gold Glove Award finalists were announced on Wednesday afternoon. There are three finalists for each position. Gold Glove winners will be announced on Sunday night, November 5th. The Nats have one Gold Glove finalist, right fielder Lane Thomas. The O's have three Gold Glove finalists, catcher Adley Rutschman, first baseman Ryan Mountcastle, and left fielder Austin Hayes. You certainly could argue that O center fielder Cedric Mullins should have been a Gold Glove finalist. And a man who, to me, absolutely should have been a Gold Glove finalist is Orioles third baseman slash shortstop Gunnar Henderson. Now, part of him not being a Gold Glove finalist is that he played essentially the same amount at each position, third base and shortstop. So he is associated with both positions, but not a singular position. But there is a Gold Glove award for the position of utility, as in Jack of multiple trades. Uh, That is Gunnar. Gunner for the 2023 regular season was number seven among all players at all positions in the American League in defensive wins above replacement, defensive war per baseball reference, 2.1, and yet he's not a gold glove finalist? I mean, that is ridiculous. Uh, He almost certainly will be winning the American League Rookie of the Year award, but he should at least be a finalist for a gold glove award. Uh, You could tweet me. At Al Galdi, you can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Stanley Evans on the Josh Harris group, specifically the dynamic between the managing partner, Josh Harris, and one of the top limited partners, Magic Johnson. Right, Stanley had a thought about Harris and Magic when it comes to a coaching change. We all know that Harris is a patient guy, but Magic being a former player would seem to have a more aggressive approach. I believe this is really dependent on how the team performs the next few weeks. Ultimately, a coaching change is Harris's decision, but I don't believe that he'll make these decisions alone. I remember Magic saying that he invests to win, not for ego. 
Harris knows that the honeymoon phase will be done after this season. Then everything changes. Uh, Thank you for the email, Stanley. Uh, You know, one of my favorite aspects of the public comments from Josh Harris since officially buying the Commanders in July has been him talking about being nervous and losing sleep over worry about making the team great again. In other words, him acknowledging that there's a lot of work to be done and that he can't just rest on the sugar high of having just bought the team and everyone being happy that Dan Snyder is no longer owner of the team. Josh gets it, but he's not going to rush into anything, nor should he rush into anything. He is treating this season as a fact-finding mission, which makes total sense. He just bought the team in July, not January. Uh, Stanley makes a good point about Magic Johnson. By the way, did you see the tweet that Magic put out after the Commander's win at the Falcons? A lot was made of Magic's tweet off the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football in Week 5. Magic saying that, quote, the Commanders played with no fire or intensity, end quote, and people took that as a shot at Ron Rivera, and maybe it was. But Magic this past Sunday afternoon, quote, congratulations to my Commanders on today's 24-16 win versus the Falcons. Defense came up big twice in today's win with Two interceptions in the last five minutes, one by St. Juice and one by Davis. Coach Rivera really had the team ready to play, end quote. So Magic in that tweet, very complimentary of Ron. This is Magic on Twitter. He tweets out a lot of stuff. He tweets out a good bit of obvious, in-the-moment, surface-level stuff. And I don't say that as an insult of Magic. I say that because it's important to understand that you can't take every little thing that Magic tweets as having some greater meaning. But when it comes to Ron Rivera, you know, it may well be that Josh Harris's mind is already made up. I have come to believe this about Josh with Ron. Whether Josh keeps Ron as head coach is not about the record this season or making the playoffs this season or any specific goal of this season. No, whether Josh keeps Ron as head coach is about Whether Josh truly believes that Ron is the guy who Josh wants as head coach moving forward for the commander's football operation that Josh wants, a football operation that I would think that Josh wants as heavy on analytics and forward thinking. So I could see the commanders doing really well this season and Ron still being fired. Email from Murph. In response to an email that I read on Tuesday's show, episode 679, uh, that email was from Jack L. And it posed the theory, totally speculative, (laughs) that the Sam Howell sack problem might be a function of Sam having a vision problem, as in him uh, needing contacts or laser eye surgery. Writes Murph, Sam should go see Ricky Vaughn's ophthalmologist. Likely, he gets some cool frames. Love the pod. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Murph. Yes, Ricky Vaughn, the great Cleveland Indians closer, the wild thing uh, in the great movie. Major League was played by Charlie Sheen, who also was in Major League 2, which was filmed in part at... Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And speaking of baseball, email from Michael King on former Nationals outfielder Bryce Harper, who is killing it for the Philadelphia Phillies in the MLB playoffs. The Phillies hold a 2-0 lead on the Arizona Diamondbacks in the best of seven National League Championship Series. Game three is on Thursday at 5.07 p.m. at Chase Field in Phoenix. Writes Mike, the other week I sent you an email saying how delicious it was that Harper got doubled up 
for a last out against the Atlanta Braves in that National League Division Series. But it appears that I will need to accept a middle finger (laughs) from Philadelphia when the Phillies win the series. The World Series, that is. The Eagles and now the Phillies. I mean, how much can I endure, Al? Your show helps. Uh, Thank you for that, Mike. Yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles won Super Bowl 52 in February 2018. The Phillies won the National League pennant for the 2022 MLB season. The Eagles won the NFC Championship for the 2022 NFL season. And now the Phillies appear likely to win the National League pennant, if not the World Series for the 2023 MLB season. Way too much winning for the city of Philadelphia, for the city of brotherly hate in recent years. Uh, Bryce Harper over eight games this postseason has an OPS of 1,389. Bryce over 17 games last postseason had an OPS of 1,160. He has been extremely clutch for the Phillies. Although, you know, he also was clutch for the Nats. Do you remember the Nats' four-game loss to the San Francisco Giants in a 2014 NLDS. Uh, Bryce and third baseman Anthony Rendon were the only Nats who did anything of consequence offensively in that series. Bryce hit three home runs in that series. And I'll never forget the big homer that Bryce hit in the Nats' a five-game loss to the Chicago Cubs in a 2017 NLDS. October 7th, 2017, game two, a 6-3 Nats win over the Cubs at Nationals Park on a Saturday evening. Bryce, it would end up being a five-run eighth for the Nats, smashed a game-tying one-out two-run homer off Cubs reliever and future Nat Carl Edwards Jr. on a bomb, on a moonshot to right field to tie the game at three, one of the greatest moments in the history of Nationals Park. Bryce is clutch. Also clutch, is BMC Insurance. Uh, Stop overpaying for your home and auto insurance. Get with BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. Here's what makes BMC Insurance special. It is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you.
Well, if you have a moment to spare, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, there is something regarding the Commander's game at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1 that you need to be aware of. The referee for this game is John Hussey. The word Hussey in Southern slang means an immoral woman. (laughs) A Hussey. Look at that Hussey. Well, uh, the word Hussey for Commanders fans might mean an immoral or at the very least inaccurate referee. Uh, It was John Hussey and his crew that worked the commander's home game against the Giants last season, the hideous 2012 loss to the Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football on December 18th, 2022. As you may recall, that game featured multiple, at best, questionable, and at worst, outrageous non-calls slash bad calls by the officials. What happened on the commander's final offensive snap of that game was a joke. On a fourth and goal at the six, quarterback Taylor Heineke had a shotgunning completion intended for receiver Curtis Samuel in the end zone, where Curtis clearly, and I mean clearly, was the victim of pass interference by corner Darnay Holmes, but inexplicably, incredibly, outrageously, no penalty was called. So egregious was what Darnay Holmes did to Curtis Samuel that the men calling the game on NBC, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth noted how Holmes was guilty of pass interference. Also in the game, earlier on that drive, in fact, on a third and goal at the one, receiver Terry McLaurin got hit with a five-yard illegal formation penalty that nullified a touchdown run by running back Brian Robinson Jr. Now, Terry was guilty of the penalty, but Terry, prior to the snap, was doing as receivers can and will do, and that was asking an official, in this case, line judge Carl Johnson, if Terry was lined up properly. There is an etiquette by which a pass catcher can do this. Ask an official if the player is lined up properly, and the official will tell the player yes or no, and even tell him to move up toward the line of scrimmage. Well, Terry seemingly asked, but he either got no response or got the wrong response, and the result was a crucial penalty by Terry. So yeah, John Hussey and his crew, John Hussey and his band of merry men are officiating this game for the Commanders at the Giants this Sunday afternoon. What a hussy! John Hussey will be back in effect for the Commanders this Sunday afternoon. In the meantime, the Commanders and Giants on Wednesday began their practice weeks for this Sunday afternoon's game, and the initial injury report for the game was jam-packed. It featured 10 Commanders players and 15 Giants players. We are through six weeks 
of this 2023 NFL regular season. The Commanders are 3-3. Three and three. The Giants are 1-5. and five. The injuries are picking up for the Commanders, who had been rather healthy this season. The Giants, on the other hand, have dealt with a good bit of injury in what has been a nightmare of a season for them. So for the Commanders, only two players were listed as not practicing at all. On Wednesday afternoon, corner Kendall Fuller was listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon. This due to a knee injury and running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. was listed as not practicing on Wednesday afternoon, but due to a personal reason. So the good news for the commanders is that only two players were listed as not practicing at all on Wednesday afternoon. And one wasn't even due to injury, although the player who did not practice at all on Wednesday afternoon due to injury is the guy who has been the team's best corner this season, Kendall Fuller. Kendall, in the 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons this past Sunday afternoon, had an interception. He had a team-high nine solo tackles. He was the third-highest-graded Commanders player for Pro Football Focus with an overall grade of 80.1. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, Six Commanders players were listed as limited participants in Wednesday afternoon's practice. Five of those players were defensive players. Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen due to a knee. Edge defender Montez Sweat due to a finger. Edge defender James Smith-Williams due to a foot. Safety Cameron Curl due to an ankle. And corner Kristen Holmes due to a hamstring. Uh, Montez in the win at the Falcons played on just 40% of the commander's defensive snaps. He in the third quarter suffered a left thumb injury. Holmes for the win at the Falcons was inactive due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday night football in week five. The only commander's offensive player who was listed as a limited participant in Wednesday afternoon's practice was guard Chris Paul due to his back, but Paul has been inactive for each of the commander's six games this regular season. And then we have the Giants. <laughs> well, the biggest injury item with the Giants is at quarterback. Daniel Jones was inactive for the Giants' last game, the 14-9 loss at the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday night due to a neck injury. Uh, Jones was listed as a limited participant in Wednesday's Giants practice, so we shall see whether Jones or the Virginia Tech product Tyrod Taylor is the Giants starting quarterback on Sunday afternoon. Commander's head coach Rod Rivera did a post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. This was Ron on not knowing who the Giants starting quarterback for this Sunday afternoon will be. Well, you you know, you you do pay attention and and respect who they're going to you know who's playing for first and foremost. I mean, they're both very uh qualified quarterbacks, but you also prepare for what they do. And how they do it. I mean, in our minds, you know, we always expect to see their best. And so we're going to prepare for what they do the best. And, and, and for each one of the quarterbacks, it's, it's, I don't know if it's that much more different. You know what I'm saying? Because Tyrod's such a veteran guy. Um, I think he could adapt to anything that, you know, their coach wants to do. Um, whereas with Daniel, you know, they're going, to, they're going to do the best they can and prepare him the best they can. And uh, so, we're, you know, we'll be ready for both of them, either one. Tyrod Taylor still plugging along. Tyrod Taylor was taken by the Baltimore Ravens in the sixth round of the 2011 NFL Draft. 2011, the draft in which the Redskins took edge defender Ryan Kerrigan in the first round. And Ryan now is in his second season as the commander's assistant defensive line coach. Uh, Also, with the Giants from an injury standpoint, 
is their offensive line, which is a total mess. We got great insight on this on Wednesday's show, episode 680 from Nick Filato, co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. Uh, The Giants' number one left tackle, Andrew Thomas, he has been out since suffering a hamstring injury in their 40-0 home loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football in Week 1. Thomas for Wednesday was listed as not practicing. The Giants on Tuesday placed offensive lineman Josh Zudu on the reserve injured list. He had been the Giants' starting left tackle in the absence of Thomas. The Giants' number one right tackle, Evan Neal, he for Wednesday was listed as not practicing due to an ankle ailment. Uh, Also, the Giants' number one center, John Michael Schmitz Jr., he has missed the Giants' last two games due to a shoulder injury. He, for Wednesday, was listed as not practicing. Also, a key backup offensive tackle for the Giants, Matt Parrott. He was inactive for the loss at the Bills due to a shoulder injury. He, for Wednesday, was listed as not practicing. There is no overstating how much of an injury-ravaged mess the Giants' offensive line is. The Commanders' defensive line needs to dominate this game on Sunday afternoon. You could argue that the commander's best defensive lineman this season has been edge defender Chase Young. Uh, Chase has played in just five of the commander's six games this regular season. Remember, he was inactive for the 2016 win over the Arizona Cardinals at FedEx Field in week one due to a neck injury that he suffered in the commander's preseason opening 17-15 win at the Cleveland Browns on August 11th. But Chase for this regular season, per Sport Radar, is tied for 10th in the NFL in pressures with 15. If you go by Pro Football Focus data, Chase, among all NFL edge defenders, each with at least 50 pass rush snaps this regular season, is 9th in both pass rush win rate, 20.6%, and pressure rate, 18.2%. We on Wednesday afternoon, had this exchange between Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and Ron Rivera. Now, the exchange got awkward. I don't really understand why, but the exchange was about Chase Young. Here you go. After five games, what have you made of Chase Young? Can I use six games? He's played five games. Yeah. I'm just wondering what you've thought of like the first five games so far. I mean, he's done exactly what we've asked. He really has. I mean, he's, you know, done some good things. He's very dynamic. He's got uh, some explosion to his game. Um, I mean, it's, you know, he's doing a great job. Yeah, (laughs) I don't get why Ron Rivera seemed agitated by that question from Sam Forty. That pause between... The initial question from Sam and Ron's response was awkward. Uh, And if you watch the video of the press conference, Ron seems agitated. Uh, But Chase Young is having a good season. That is a significant positive that, for whatever reason, is not getting a lot of attention. Uh, Not having a good season is corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr., uh, the man on whom the commander spent the number 16 overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. We went from Forbes getting torched in the 34-31 overtime loss at the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 4 to Forbes getting both torched and benched in a loss to the Bears in Week 5 to Forbes not playing at all in the win at the Falcons in Week 6. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on trying to balance developing a guy like Forbes while also wanting to win games. 
Well, it's it's that. I mean, you know, we, we, we look at certain things and we know what he can bring to the table. We've seen it. Um, and so it's about trying to find that that balance of, you know, you get to a certain situation and say, you know what, let's sit him for a while, let's let him grow. I mean, we went through the same thing with Jamin, you know, and look at him now. I mean, the young man's really come a long way. He's done some really good things for us, and we're pretty excited about who he's become. Um, and I would say the same thing about Emmanuel. It's going to take a little bit of time sometimes. And, and as he grows, and, you know, there is a certain spot where, you know, it is about winning. And, and you know, we went through that my very first season. You know, we tried something my first four weeks, and, and I just felt, you know what, I, I, I owe it to doing, you know, something different, and I did. Interesting to hear Ron Rivera say what he just said at the end of that cut, an obvious reference to going with Dwayne Haskins as Washington's QB1 in the 2020 season. We, on Wednesday afternoon, then had this follow-up exchange between Commander's Insider Stephen Wino of the Associated Press and Ron. What is about about Emmanuel's personality let, lets him handle this as well as he seems to be handling this so far? He's like a he's a natural corner. I mean, he understands and gets you know that you 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 have to be ready to move on to the next thing, and in the meantime, you just do the best you can and get yourself ready to go. Well, regardless of whether Emmanuel Forbes plays this Sunday afternoon, the Commanders will be facing a Giants offense that has been horrendous this season. Consider this: the Giants have not scored an offensive touchdown. Since week three. <laughs> yeah, week three. Since their 30 12 loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday night football on September 21st, the Giants have not scored a passing touchdown since week two, their 31 28 win at the Arizona Cardinals on September 17th, a game at which the Giants overcame a 28-7 third-quarter deficit. Here was Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on this reality of the Giants having been so inept on offense. Well, it, it could be anything. I mean, again, things happen and, and don't happen based on certain things. And you know, the thing that we have to do more than anything else is just go out and play our game. And we can't worry about what they've done and haven't done. We've got, we got to really focus in on what we can do and how well we can do it. Well, we had a nice honor for a commander's player on Wednesday. Receiver and punt returner Jamison Crowder, he on Wednesday was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, this for his work in the win at the Falcons. Uh, he in the game had just one punt return, but it was outstanding. A 61-yard punt return on the third snap of the second quarter, what was Washington's longest punt return in a regular season game since the team's last punt return for a touchdown. Crowder's first quarter 85-yard punt return for a touchdown in a 16-10 win at the Baltimore Ravens on October 9th, 2016. It was on September 6th that the commanders announced that they had signed former Skins receiver Jamison Crowder to the practice squad. He, of course, came into the NFL with the Skins. They took him in the fourth round of the 2015 NFL Draft out of Duke. You know, this game for the commanders this Sunday afternoon at the Giants is a Jamison Crowder revenge game. The commanders got Crowder off the Giants on August 30th, and they're cut down to 53, having terminated their contract with Crowder. He had signed with the Giants as an unrestricted free agent this past March. Jamison Crowder for this regular season is fifth out of 18 qualified NFL players for pro football reference in yards per punt return, 14.3. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on Jamison Crowder. I think what's been really cool about Jamison is, you know, he came in and, and has had to learn a lot, not just our special teams, but he had to learn our, um, 
you know, our, our, our offense. And what's really neat to watch him is the professionalism which he approaches everything, um, how he's working with a lot of our young guys. Um, um, he's, he's been working with Kaz, Allen, you know, helping him in terms of, of trying to learn and grow and develop as a, as a, uh, as a slot receiver, but also as a uh, punt returner. And so it's been kind of cool watching, you know, the veteran guy help the young kid out. Um, you know, he's got a little sage wisdom to him. I think the guys respect that from him as well. I mean, he's been, uh, he's been great to have around. Um, and he's, um, he's a dynamic returner. And I think what it's done is it's given our guys, you know, uh, a little bit of a, a jolt, a little bit of shot in the arm, knowing that you have an explosive guy back there. And, and so when I know they're on the huddle on the sidelines and, and, and Coach Kayser's talking to them, you know, he's telling them, hey, just give this guy a chance. Just give this guy a shot. And, and they did on Sunday, and we saw the result. Yes, we did. Uh, also, for the Commanders in the win at the Falcons, a number of Commanders fans being in attendance at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Washington fans traveling well is nothing new, but what we had on Sunday afternoon really stood out. A lot of cheers whenever something good for the Commanders happened. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on the fan support this past Sunday afternoon. That was cool. Our players talked about that, that you know, in, 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 the, uh, in the locker room, just listening to the guys after the game talk about how, how cool it was to see as many fans that were there. It was really neat that they, they came out in force, too. It really was. Um, you know, when we were leaving the game, after, you know, the field after, after the victory, just, you know, having them cheer us was, was really a neat thing. And that's what the guys really talked about is they could hear the fans, but the, the, the applause they were getting when they were coming in after the game, that, that really kind of excited those guys. Well, something else that's exciting is Underdog Fantasy, the no-stress, no-hassle, fun way to play fantasy sports. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it is offering a limited-time enhanced special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $500 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers a pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers a pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be very time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money. Take advantage of the free money if you sign up now with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. Free money. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, and in Tennessee, call 
889-9789. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Always a lot going on in life, of course. Uh, Sometimes it's important to stop and ask a simple question. Are you having fun? Commander's quarterback Sam Howell on Wednesday did a pre-practice press conference that started shortly before 12 p.m. The final question of the presser was, are you having fun? Here was his answer. Oh, yeah, I'm always having fun. And I I always, you, you, you would never really see it on my face. But, you know, I, I really enjoy what I do and I'm living... You know, I'm living my dream. Um, this is what I dreamed of doing from when I was a kid. And, you know, I'm, every single day I come here to work, you know, it's it's just so much fun. And I'm just so blessed to be where I am in my life. And, and it's so and so much fun to be a part of this team as well. There's so many cool guys in that locker room and a lot of guys that I call my friends. Uh, so it's just so much fun to come to work here every day. Well, Sam Howell should be having fun. He's the QB1 for an NFL team. And he's doing a lot of good things. We these days have so many stats that we could look at for quarterbacks. One of the more interesting quarterback stats is completion percentage above expectation. Completion percentage above expectation is a stat from the NFL's next-gen stats. Uh, Completion percentage above expectation is the difference between a quarterback's actual completion percentage and expected completion percentage, which is arrived at by what a quarterback's completion percentage would be expected to be given the completion probability on each pass attempt. What completion percentage above expectation is, is how much better is a quarterback's completion percentage than it should be. Well, Sam Howell for this regular season is number three among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in completion percentage above expectation 4.6. He so far this season has been outstanding at making completions that he should not be making. Now, I do want to correct something that I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 679, during which I highlighted Sam Howell ranking very well in ESPN's version of total expected points added, total EPA. What appeared to be the case was that Sam has this good ranking in total EPA, even with it including all of the sacks that he has taken. That's actually not the case. The way (laughs) that ESPN presents its EPA data is, uh, shall we say, not the best. 
And despite calling the stat total EPA, it's actually not the total EPA because it doesn't include negative EPA from SACs. This is getting very deep in the weeds. I get that. But I wanted to mention this because facts matter, man. This is not a show on which we tolerate fake news. Uh, However, the point that I was making remains. And so here is the truth. Sam for this regular season is 14th out of 33 qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's version of total EPA, which is made up of EPA from passing, rushing, and penalties, but not sacks. (laughs) So Sam, when you take out the sacks, has been an upper half of the NFL starting quarterback this season. The sacks are a big problem, as we all know, but there is so much to like about what he's doing beyond the sacks. The Commanders in their game at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1 will, for a third consecutive game, be facing a team that has been bad at generating sacks this season. But consider what happened in the previous two games. Week 5, the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football. The Bears came into that game with a mere two sacks over four games in this regular season, and yet Sam in the game took five sacks, although the last two sacks did come late in the fourth quarter during garbage time. Week 6, the 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons this past Sunday afternoon. The Falcons for this regular season through Week 5 were dead last in the NFL in team sack percentage at 3.01 and were tied with the Giants for dead last in the NFL in sacks with five. And yet Sam, in the game, took five sacks. And so here we are now with a game this Sunday afternoon. The opponent for the Commanders, the Giants. They, for this regular season, are dead last in the NFL in team sack percentage, a microscopic 2.72, and are dead last in the NFL in sacks with just five. Will this game be a game in which Sam does not get sacked at least four times. He has been sacked at least four times in each of the Commander's six games this regular season, for which he has taken an NFL worst 34 sacks and ranks next to last among all qualified NFL quarterbacks in sack percentage 13.7. This was Sam Howell on Wednesday on in watching the All-22s, where he sees himself as having made the most improvement, but you'll hear him discuss the sack problem. Yeah, I mean, I think I make, I'm making more, I'm making better decisions um, more consistently, I would say. Um, and I'm playing more efficient ball, and I just got to continue to grow and get better and continue to try to limit the sacks and, you know, avoiding those negative plays. Um, just because when you have a sack on a drive, it most of the time it'll kill the drive. You know, I think we've done a, a decent job making up for it this year, but that's going to continue to be harder as we move forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always always trying to clean up the sacks and do my job to, you know, limit that number. Um, obviously, it's gotten up there so far this year, but, you know, I, I just got to continue to get better and try to avoid those those situations. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of good stuff as an offense that we put on tape that we can continue to build on. It's funny, that cut that I just played for you was Sam Howell's response to a question about where he sees himself as having made the most improvement, but the response ended up including a lot from Sam on his biggest negative, the taking of sacks. The Sam Howell sack problem has become this, like, inescapable topic. Uh, We on Wednesday had this exchange between David Aldridge of The Athletic and Sam. With regard to the sacks, and we always talk, ask you about this, I know, but how how difficult is it to fight yourself 
being a competitive person saying, if I can just buy another second or two, I can get the ball to somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, um, but it's just something that i got to continue to get better at. And, you know, I think that's that's the next part of my game where I really need to show growth and, and development. Um, and I feel good about my ability to do that. It's just a matter of going out there in the games and, and doing it. Um, and I feel like, uh, you know, the coach has done a good job of trying to, you know, get me out of that mindset and that thought process. Um, and I feel like I've, I've done a decent job with it. Now I just got to go take it into the games and do a better job of it on game day. Yes, you do. But I tell you, Sam Howell in taking all of these sacks is demonstrating durability and toughness. Now, he's not an immortal. <laughs> like, these sacks are almost certainly going to get him injured if he doesn't slow down the rate at which he's getting sacked. But Ain't nobody questioning Sam's toughness right now. This was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon on how impressed he is by Sam's toughness. Believe me, I, I'm very impressed with that. He's a tough young man. He does a great job. He's he's a he's he's, he's a very resilient guy. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things when you watch him and, and you you know I think that's part of when he runs the ball. You know, he, he kind of feels like he can handle it, and that's great, but, you know, we'd much rather see him slide a little bit more. It was good to see him slide when he got the first down and protect himself. I mean, he's he's a very tough, smart, sharp, resilient, I mean, just just the kind of guy that gets, you know, his teammates get behind him, and, and it's really kind of a neat thing. Much more on the Sam Howell sack problem in moments, including key data on who is most to blame for the problem. But if you are a Commanders fan and you are on Instagram, make sure that you're following at WSH on the Daily. On the Daily just started in 2021 and yet has nearly 23 and a half thousand followers. And on the Daily is literally daily. The page is updated every day. News, notes, reports, photos, graphics. Uh, Some great posts this week off the Commander's win at the Falcons. Uh, On the Daily on Instagram is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information. Doesn't just post anything that anyone says. Uh, On the Daily is a great place at which you can converse with other Commander's fans regarding the team, the draft, free agency and trades. On the Daily responds to every single DM. On the Daily is a page at which you can have fun. Lots of creativity with jersey swaps and unique graphics and a contest named that Redskin and free wallpaper Wednesday, which is when On the Daily gives out free wallpaper that you can use on your phone. And On the Daily always has a great fresh look. If you are on Instagram, check out at WSH on the Daily and check out at WSH on the Daily's online shop, WSH on the Daily.com. Some outstanding gear, shirts, hoodies, excellent material, uh, modern look. These are breathable and comfortable clothes and they come with all kinds of looks. My personal favorite, a shirt that reads hashtag Howell 2023. So for smart, informative, fun, and engaging Commander's content, check out at WSH on the Daily on Instagram. And for great merch, check out WSHonTheDaily.com. So something that continues to come up is how much of the sacks that Sam Howell is taking is on Sam versus how much is on the offensive line. Well, you don't have to pick just one, okay? Both parties can be at fault, and both parties are at fault. But understand a few things. Number one, the commanders for this regular season are 13th in the NFL in pass block win rate per ESPN and the NFL's next-gen stats, 13th out of 32 NFL teams. 
that's pretty good. Number two, Pro Football Focus attributes just 14 of the 34 sacks that Sam has taken this regular season to blockers. For comparison's sake, PFF for the 2022 regular season attributed 33 of 48 sacks allowed by the Commanders to blockers. Uh, Yes, the Commanders' offensive line can be better, but the primary reason for Sam getting sacked so much is Sam, not the offensive line. This was Sam on Wednesday on the fine line between wanting to avoid taking a sack, but also wanting to avoid throwing the ball away when perhaps there was a completion to be had. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you you just want to make good decisions. Um, And, you know, I think sacks are negative plays. Like I kind of said earlier, they they really kill your drives, Um, especially, you know, when you're in field goal range, you can take a sack, get out of field, range, field goal range, and just little things like that. I think it's just you got to have good feel for the situation. Um, and obviously, you know, you want to get rid of the football, but you don't want to, you know, throw it into a crowd or throw it, throw it to someone that's covered. Um, so I'm, that's, that's one thing I'm just trying to continue to get better at is, you know, if I do need to find an incompletion, just throwing it at somebody's feet um, and just find an incompletion and just let the play another down. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just an area where I'm continuing to grow. Well, an example from the win at the Falcons of a play on which Sam Howell did not give up, kept his eyes downfield, and made something happen came on the opening drive of the game on a third and nine for the Commanders at the Falcons' 45. Sam had a 22-yard shotgun completion to receiver Terry McLaurin on a broken play off Sam running to his right. Now, this was a free play thanks to a defensive offside penalty by interior defensive lineman Grady Jarrett that the Commanders declined, but... The off-schedule play is something in which Sam can excel. Sam on Wednesday on off-schedule plays. Yeah, that's something that we, you know, we put a lot of time into is, you know, scramble drill. And, you know, when I do get out of the pocket, keep my eyes downfield. And, you know, that last week was a bit, that was a big emphasis for us was, you know, when the play does get extended, you know, receivers continuing to work and get open. And we kind of have a, a plan for where we want everyone to go when the play breaks down. Um, so it's not like, it's not like backyard football as it might look like. It's, you know, we, we have a plan based on kind of what, what route they're sp- supposed to be running. And then once I break the pocket, they, they turn into a different route. Um, but yeah, we put a lot of time into it, and in practice, when you know our plays aren't there, you know I I try to scramble in practice just to try to get those reps. Um, but you know those receivers have done a great job just continuing to play and continuing to get open for me. And let's talk about Commanders receivers. Commanders pass catchers have been very mixed this season. First of all, I'm seeing too many drops. The win at the Falcons receivers Jahan Dodson and Diami Brown each was guilty of a drop. Uh, the loss to the Bears, I counted five plays that could be considered drops by Commander's pass catchers, including two drops for Diami. The 34-31 overtime loss at the Philadelphia Eagles in week four, Jahan was guilty of a drop in that game. So too many drops by Commander's receivers, tight ends, and running backs in recent weeks. Additionally, yak, yards after catch, Y-A-C, yak. Uh, the commanders for this regular season per sport radar are averaging 4.48 yak per completion. That ranks just 24th out of 32 NFL teams. Gotta be better at yak. <laughs> As was said in the great movie Airplane many years ago, and Airplane was way before my time, but Airplane is a classic. And as was said in Airplane, smack em Yakum. Lay her down, a smack 'em, yakum.
<laughs> That's right. Smack them. Yak them. Yak matters. We need more yak from commanders, receivers, tight ends, and running backs. I mentioned Jahan Dotson. A lot of Jahan Dotson conversation in recent days. He and the win at the Falcons had no receptions on one target, which resulted in a drop. He did also draw a penalty, which came on the same drive as the drop. Uh, He played on 80% of the commander's offensive snaps. Jahan, for this regular season, a mere 17 receptions for a mere 140 yards and a touchdown on 31 targets. This was Sam Howell on Wednesday on If He in a Game is aware of the frequencies with which players are being targeted. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, you know, our our plan is to always spread the ball around to all those guys. You know, we want to utilize all the talent that we have. Um, But at the same time, you really never know how the flow of the game is going to go. Um, And yeah, I mean, throughout the game, you know, you you obviously, you know, kind of who's been getting the ball, who hasn't, Um, and especially after the game. Like, I don't think Jahan had a catch. Um, And so just going to him and just continuing to tell him that I trust him. Um, And it's really not anything that he's doing. It's just kind of a flow of the game type thing. You know, it wasn't that Jahan wasn't in the game plan. It's just more of, you know, the plays that were called at that certain time and kind of what looks they gave on certain plays kind of dictates where the ball goes. Um, And it's kind of just one of those unlucky things for Jahan. Um, But, you know, we trust Jahan. He's a hell of a player. Um, And I'm going to continue to – try to do everything I can to get him the ball, um, just like all our guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's the good news is there's been no complaints from anybody. I mean, obviously, I'm sure everybody wants the ball more, but at the end of the day, they just want to win. Um, so that's the good thing. All right. And this was Jahan Dotson with reporters on Wednesday. You'll hear multiple exchanges with Scott Abraham, sports anchor for 7 News D.C. You know, there's so many good wide receivers in this group. You only had one target last week. A little frustrating from your perspective. Do you have a discussion with the OC or Sam about trying to get the ball more? Um, not really. You know, you just gotta you gotta go into these games uh, with the right mindset. Uh, you you can't just think about you know how many targets you're gonna get, how many catches you're gonna get. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a team game. Um, but you know. I still, I still want to produce myself, obviously, and I'm gonna. That's that's where I come in to come out to practice every day, go hard, and when I get my opportunities, I make the most of them. And then, you know, I have guys like Sam who are in my ear, letting me know that, you know, I'm gonna get you the ball. You know, I, I know your capability. I'm gonna get you the ball. I got guys like Terry when I come to the sideline, you know, giving me that confidence. So, you know, I just gotta stay true to myself. Uh, just put the work in, like I always do. You know, I feel like the the results will come. That was my next point to hear that from your quarterback to get that sense of maybe confidence that, hey, you're still my guy, you're a heck of a player, your time's coming in a sense. Yeah, for sure. You know, Sam came to me right after the game, literally walked in my locker, and we talked for a little bit. You know, it was really good to hear that coming from your quarterback. You know, that's the guy that you trust in, and knowing that he trusts in you uh, to make those plays, uh, that's all you need. Hey, great job by Sam Howell talking to Jahan Dodson like that. But here's something about this Jahan Dodson lack of targets conversation that may surprise you. The percentage of commander's targets that he has received this regular season is 15.5. The percentage of commander's targets that he received last regular season in games in which he played was 15.9. Jahan, this regular season, is being targeted at essentially the same rate at which he was targeted last regular season, and he has been guilty of some bad drops. It's important for Jahan to get going, but this Jahan Dotson lack of targets problem has become one of the most overrated commander's problems. Jahan's lack of production 
is a problem. Jahan's lack of targets, not a problem. A commander's receiver who is producing is Curtis Samuel. Curtis in the win at the Falcons, four receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown on four targets. And he had a carry for no gain. He played on 63% of the commander's offensive snaps. Curtis for the game was tied with linebacker Cody Barton for being the fourth highest graded commander's player for pro football focus with an overall grade of 73.9. There are 67 NFL receivers, each with at least 25 targets this regular season. Curtis ranks 16th among those 67 receivers in DVOA, which is defense adjusted value over average is a measure of per play efficiency that takes a down distance score quality of opposing defense into account. Uh, Curtis is having a really nice season. What is a contract season for him? Sam Howell on Wednesday on Curtis Samuel. Yeah, Curtis is a is a really good player, and he has such a unique skill set where he's he's so fast and he can get in and out of breaks so easily. Um, and he 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 puts a lot of pressure on the defense when he's running routes, and I think he can do so many different things, whether it's stretch the field vertically or you know quick shake routes or quick option routes, stuff like that. Like he has such a unique skill set that you know allows him to be put in certain situations, and he's done a good job when the balls come his way. Um, so he's he's someone that will continue to try to get more and more involved. And for good reason. There is a delicate balance going on for Ron Rivera with Sam Howell, trying to develop Sam while also trying to develop this offense in its first season with Eric Bieniemy as the team's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. This was Ron on Wednesday afternoon on trying to strike this balance. You know, you, you want certain guys to grow and grow quickly for us. You know, the running back position has been one that, you know, with, with the style of offense is a little bit different. Asking the running backs to be a little bit more patient to help set up their blockers a little bit better. And, you know, and, and we have flashes of, of, of it. You really see it. I mean, there's some really good runs, you know, in, in, in the Philadelphia game, some really good running in uh, in the second half of the uh, of the of the Bears game um, and then some really good running um, from from the different combination of the guys in Atlanta early on you know the, the first three and a half quarters and you know part of that is you know them growing and developing and understanding it but then you turn around and like I said you get to that the last six seven minutes of the game and you know we didn't run the ball the way we needed to we, we weren't patient we, we were hurrying you know, and, and so it, it's important that you know that the development of the player, you know, is is equal to the development of the offense as a whole. I mean, because again, it's you know those guys working together in tandem. I mean, the 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 understanding what the protections are as 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 a blocker, and what it's going to do in terms of the, the the depth of the quarterback. You know, is it a five or seven step? You know, what's the timing and all those things. Those things are all invaluable, um, and it's the same thing with the route running. You know, you're supposed to run that route at 12 yards and you run it at 10. You're making your break before the quarterback set. You know, now you're going to be further along in your route and he's throwing it in. It could be potentially throwing it into a hazard. So those are things that, that it is important that, that individually you grow. I think you almost have to grow quicker individually to fit into what the growth of the offense is. And more offensive growth for the Commanders would help for this game at the Giants this Sunday afternoon to not be yet another close game for the Commanders. Four of the Commanders' six games this regular season have been one-score games. Uh, That is in line with what's happening around the rest of the NFL. Rich McKay is the president and CEO of the Falcons. He also is the chairman of the NFL's competition committee, which does include Ron Rivera. 
Uh, But Rich on Tuesday at the NFL's Fall League meeting in New York City said that the league in this regular season has had 10.3 games per week that are within one score at some point in the fourth quarter. Here was Sam Howell on Wednesday on the tight nature of NFL games, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Yeah, it's there's definitely a lot more than um, there was in college. Um, just because in college, I think it's just it's just way easier to score in college, um, and it's tough to score in the NFL. And everyone has really good players, and the there's not as, from the good teams and the not as good teams. There's not as big as a gap as there is in college. Um, so it's one of those things where you really got to be you know on your ones and twos when you get to game day, and you really got to be prepared, and you just got to play all four quarters because um, that most of the time and. And the NFL is going to come down to the end of the fourth quarter. Um, and that's why we put such an emphasis on you know, our two-minute drill and our end-of-game situational type stuff because most games come down to situations like that. Um, but you just got to stay stay the course for all four quarters. Um, and it, just, it does kind of seem like in the NFL it always comes down to the end. Is that an adjustment for you, or what's it been like kind of learning that through experience the first part of the year? I wouldn't say it's just – I wouldn't say it's any adjustment. You know, I've always – feel like I've been pretty good at just continuing to play the game but I think just mentally you know it's it is definitely more like you gotta like you there's not as much many easy wins as there is in college you know um just because of how hard it is to score in the NFL and obviously everyone has good players and it's just so even um both teams are always so even you know skill wise um you know in the NFL but I wouldn't say there's much of an adjustment Well, NFL games may be close, but what is not close is the competition for the best way of getting tickets to a Commanders game or a Capitals game or a Wizards game or a Maryland football game or a Navy football game or whatever you want tickets for. The best way is the Game Time way. Download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGALDI to save yourself some money. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The GameTime guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about GameTime is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on GameTime looking at tickets for Commander's Games in the 2023 regular season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. GameTime is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what you do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code, Al Galdi, for $20 off your first purchase. 
What time is it? It's game time. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, Capital Center Nicholas Backstrom on Wednesday night played in his 1100th career NHL regular season game, all with the Caps. Uh, congrats to him. He became just the second player in Caps history to play in 1100 career regular season games with the team. The first was winger Alex Ovechkin. He on Wednesday night played in the 1350th NHL regular season game of his career, all with the Caps. But he did not have a shot on goal for a second consecutive game, marking the first time in Ovechkin's 19-season NHL career that he did not have a shot on goal in each of at least two consecutive regular season games. This is how things are going for the Caps right now, and they got smashed on Wednesday night, a 6-1 loss at the Ottawa Senators to fall to 1-2-0 in this 2023 2024 NHL regular season. The Caps in their two losses have been outscored 10-1. The first loss was the hideous 4-0 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins at Capital One Arena this past Friday night in the Caps regular season opener. Uh, The Caps on Wednesday night trailed at the end of the first period 2-1. They then lost the rest of the game 4-0. The Caps lost the puck possession battle for a third time in three games this regular season. The Caps are just not generating enough offense. They, over the final two periods, had just 12 shots on goal to the Senators' 23, and per natural stat trick had just 18 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Senators' 30. Uh, The Caps did a good job in the first period. They, in the first period, had 12 shots on goal to the Senators' six, and per natural stat trick had six high-danger 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Senators' one, but the final two periods did not go well. Uh, This was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game session with reporters on Wednesday night. First period, I liked our game a lot. I thought it was probably our best 20 minutes of the season thus far. We're down 2-1, but I, I didn't think that was an issue from a score standpoint and being able to come back in the game. And then second period, um, sort of the, the microcosm of, of how the year is going for this group right now is every mistake we make is ending up in the back of the net. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, the Caps' top-line left wing, Alex Ovechkin, did have the primary assist on the Caps' lone goal on Wednesday night. Defenseman John Carlson's even-strength goal, 18:54 into the first period. But Ovi has not scored a goal over the Caps' first three games. We are used to seeing Ovi get off to hot starts to seasons. He is not off to a hot start to this season. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the Caps' starting goaltender. He stopped just 23 of the 29 shots on goal that he faced. He, per natural stat trick, stopped just one of the four high-danger shots on goal that he faced. That's the thing. It's not like Kemper was peppered with a bunch of high-danger shots on goal, but he stopped just one of the four high-danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, The Caps were bad on special teams for a third time in three games. The Caps went 0-2 of on the power play and just 4-5 of on the penalty kill. Uh, Not having center Nick Dowd did not help the penalty kill. He did not play due to an upper body injury. The Caps committed seven minor penalties to the Senators' four. More from Spencer Carberry during his post-game session with reporters on Wednesday night. It's more demoralizing the fact that 
we're just we're, we're really struggling right now from a standpoint of where we've got a lot of guys that are looking to find their game early in the season and aren't there yet and so okay that's fine um, usually it's a few but we have more um, than you would call normal so trying to find our game and and What's compounding the issue is now when we make a mistake, it's in the back of the net. And it's tough. It's hard. Our guys are, um, I don't think it's a lack of effort. I think there's, we're turning over some pucks that maybe in a different year or in a different situation wouldn't be that big of a deal. But right now, every time we turn over a puck, it's going to be a great day. And we have to learn from that and have to correct, okay, we're struggling right now. We're not executing well offensively. We're not clicking like a well-oiled machine offensively, power play, finishing chances, two-on-ones, odd man rushes, it's not clicking. They're not ending up in the back of the net. So the problem with that is now as you defensively, you have to tighten, 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 tighten if you want to survive games. And that's what we're not doing is you have to really play a near-perfect game in terms of your puck management and you're defending or else you're going to have what you had tonight. And what we had on Wednesday night was uh, quite bad. It, of course, is so early in this Caps season, but if you're a Caps fan like me, there's this lingering thought of this retool that the Caps are trying in an attempt to avoid a rebuild may not work. And having two losses in three games by a combined score of 10-1 and having the win be a mere shootout win uh, does not instill great confidence that the retool is going to work. But again, it's just so early into the season. Spencer Carberry is altering the lines. The team is trying to find itself. The question is, uh, what is the team going to find <laughs> when the team finds itself? Uh, next up for the Caps at the Montreal Canadiens, Saturday night at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 682. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders as we will get you ready for the Commanders game at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1, including rhyming keys, <laughs> my keys to a Commanders victory in rhyming fashion, and commentary on what is said by assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio in pre-practice press conferences on Thursday. And on Friday's show, we'll talk college football week eight as we have a game of note on Thursday night. James Madison at Marshall at seven and we have Goldilocks, my college football previews and picks against the spreads, the games that I'll be getting into this week, games for Navy and Virginia against ranked teams, the midshipmen home to number 22 Air Force Saturday at noon, and the Cavaliers at number 10 North Carolina Saturday evening at 6.30. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Lay down a smack em, yak em.